John Snyers is one of the developers behind the Free Lossless Image Format, or FLIF. John, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Hi. So this episode is about an image format, FLIF, or Free Lossless Image Format. And this may sound like a niche topic that does not impact the general programmer, but I think that the advances and the trade-offs of different image formats reflect many broader trends in software development. John, why is image compression so important? Well, for starters, uh, an, an average website, according to some statistics I, I read somewhere, an average website contains uh, approximately 60 or 65% um, of the contents are images. Uh, if you look at it in terms of bandwidth. So if you want to have a fast loading website, um, image compression is, well, probably the most important uh, thing that is going to, to speed up the website. Um, another thing is, uh, in more in general, not just websites, there is this tendency to have displays and um, well, screens, televisions, with higher and higher uh, resolutions, right? So um, full HD is is basically uh, the, the lower bound, more or less, at this point. We have 4K screens and so on. But if you actually want to transmit all of those pixels or store store all of those pixels uh, in an efficient way, you're going to need image compression or else the, the bandwidths and, and the storage media are simply not going to cut it. Our storage capacity has been increasing um, over the years. And so image storage represents less of a burden than it did in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a number of different image formats that I see, PNG, JPEG, um, could you give a brief overview of the common image formats? So uh, I guess on, on the web, the most frequently used are, are JPEG and PNG. And also, I guess, GIF, mostly for animated uh, uh, images. So basically, JPEG is a, is a lossy format, so it's not lossless. Uh, it destroys some of the information in the image. Uh, but the main advantage is that it gives very uh, small files. It can give very small files. Um, it's very suitable for photographs. However, if you would use it for things like screenshots or uh, images with text or sharp edges or line art or things like that, um, the compression artifacts can be pretty visible, even to a human eye. So, um, yes, it's not very suitable for those. Then there's a PNG, which is quite suitable for uh, for things like line art, but and it's also a lossless format, so just like FLIF. But, um, well, the files are they tend to be quite big, so um, it's not that frequently used. It is, however, used in the when you need transparency 
So if you need the alpha channel of the image, um, which allows the background to be seen through the image, then PNG is pretty much the only one uh, out of the three main formats that uh, that can do transparency in a good way. Um, and then there's GIF or GIF or however you want to call it, which is uh, the oldest, I guess, of the three. It dates back to the 80s. Um, and basically in all aspects, it's worse than PNG, uh, <laughs> except that it can do animation, which PNG cannot do. So, well, it's currently still widely used for animations. Yeah. So you've given some of the trade-offs of these different image formats. Now let's talk about FLIF, um, which is the image format that you're working on. What is FLIF? Uh, what is FLIF? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's an image format. Um, it is designed to be, uh, well, at least the claim I'm making is that it is better than all of the other image formats in terms of lossless compression. Um, in terms of lossy compression, of course, it's it's uh, harder to, to evaluate uh, what it means to be the best. But in terms of lossless compression, it produces smaller files, at least on average, than uh, any of the other uh, formats that are in current use. So not just PNG, but also uh, Google's WebP in lossless mode or the new uh, BPG format um, in lossless mode. So for each of these existing formats, if you would use FLIV instead, it should, well, not on every particular file, but on average, it should be uh, producing smaller files. So we'll get into the technicals of Fliff and the algorithmic uh, magic behind it that makes it that uh, you know sort of satisfies your claim as to it being uh, more efficient or more powerful. But I want to give a little more context to the broader picture of how images are being used, uh, particularly on the web. Um, in the early days of the web, images were a killer feature. Uh, I think I remember hearing a quote from somebody like Tim O'Reilly or Mark Andreessen saying that you know when when they put images on the web, it just it it made it so much more appealing mm -hmm. to the average person. Um, and it's easy to take that for granted. But uh, you know, an all text web is much worse than a web with images. Um, I, I and I'm already thinking about your your sixty percent or sixty five percent statistic of, of images taking up the uh, the content of a page. But the thing is that many of the people who are coming online in the next decade will be in these low bandwidth situations that will feel a lot like the early web and will have certain constraints placed on, on image loading mm -hmm. and, and general browser experience. You think of browsing experiences like internet.org mm -hmm. that focus on this low bandwidth situation. And so in many cases, these, these services, these uh, sub-internets are, are only sending text. Uh, I think there's also a version of Wikipedia that serves just very lightweight uh, text mm -hmm. versions of Wikipedia. And so... I guess, you know, to help bring this into context, does improved image compression help bring this 
killer feature of images to the developing world faster? Well, yes, I think so. Well, the, the, the main important thing is um, there's this whole topic of, of, of web design, which is called responsive web design, which means that you want to have websites that work well on all kinds of devices in all kinds of circumstances. So it should work on, on a desktop PC or, or on a television, but also on a smartphone or a tablet. Um, and it should work if you have a, a good uh, internet connection, but also if you are in a very low bandwidth situation. So um, in the context of responsive web design, the, the current practice basically is to make different variants of your website. Um, so one, for, for instance, one big version of the website where the images have high quality, high resolution and so on. And then smaller versions of the website where the images have a reduced quality, have a reduced resolution, um, or are simply omitted or are cropped or something like that. So um, that's the, the current state of the art. And in, 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 in practice, this means that for each image on the website, you're basically going to create a lot of variants of the, of the image. Uh, you are going to transcode it to, into different uh, files, each representing a different situation uh, for, for uh, to, to view the website. Uh, so as a, as a simple example, uh, a very common practice is to, to have thumbnail versions of, of, uh, of pictures that uh, just give you a very rough uh, preview of the image. And when you click on it or something, uh, you get the full image, which takes much longer to load if you have limited bandwidth. Uh, but which is of much higher quality. Now, um, of course, it's uh, this this solution works, uh, but it requires the server side to have multiple variants of of the same image, and it also requires the client to download multiple versions. Well, the the idea is that the client should only load the variants that he or she wants to see. But in practice, uh, you typically are going to load more than one variant of the same image simply because, well, you might be uh, rescaling the zooming in or out on, on, on the page. Uh, you might, well, look at it in, from, in, in different contexts. Um, and so you still end up loading the same data multiple times, which kind of defeats the purpose of, of, of getting it there quickly. <clears throat> so I think uh, in, in this uh, area, FLIF can be an improvement because it has this property, which is not a, a new property. It, it already exists in older formats, but it can load images progressively, uh, which means that basically the first part of the file already gives you a rough preview of the entire image. So you don't need to download, say, uh, five megabytes worth of of uh, of, of, of a photograph uh, file. You can just download the first fifty kilobytes or something, and you already get a decent preview of the entire image. Um, yeah, I, I I find this this trade off uh, 
very practical, and I want to get more into that those technicalities. But um, let's let's start by let's start with a, a technical discussion of uh, just compression in general. Um, FLIF or FLIF or free lossless image format outperforms the PNG and JPEG file formats in terms of compression ratio. What is compression ratio? Okay, so first of all, it, it, it's a bit hard to say that it outperforms JPEG because JPEG is not lossless. So in, in, oh, that's in, in, true. Okay. So in general, JPEG files will still be smaller than, than FLIF files for the same image, but they will uh, not represent the full information that is present in the image. Uh, so they will uh, basically try to eliminate some information and hope that you don't see it, that, that this information is getting lost. Um, but anyway, uh, so what is the compression ratio? That's, well, the compression ratio is basically the proportion, uh, the, the, the size of the compressed image compared to the size of the uncompressed image. So basically an image is a collection of pixels. Each pixel has uh, well, it takes a number of bits to to encode. So if you have, well, the typical scenario is that you have RGB pixels, uh, maybe with transparency. And so this would take three or four bytes per pixel if you have eight bits of, of color depth. Um, so the uncompressed image would basically just take three or four bytes multiplied by the number of pixels. So if you have a five megapixel picture, just uh, five mega, which is a million, five million times three, because photographs don't have an alpha channel in general, typically. So uh, it would be 15 uh, megabytes, give or take. So 15 megabytes for one picture is... Uh, well, quite a lot in, in most circumstances, so you want to compress this. Um, and then you can compress it losslessly or lossy. Uh, so most uh, low-end cameras will compress it lossly, uh, lossy, right? Uh, so they will produce a JPEG file, um, which eliminates some information and which compresses the remaining information into a file which is uh, which has a lower size. Uh, the high-end cameras will typically produce raw camera files which contain losslessly compressed uh, picture information. So uh, they take all of the information uh, that is present in the image and try to represent it in a more concise way. Uh, so producing a smaller file than just the uncompressed image. Okay, so let me ask a different question around the engineering. If I'm a user on a smartphone and I pull up a web page with lots of fliff images on it, does my phone decompress the images or are they decompressed on the server before being sent to me? So the phone does the decompression. So that's so the the, the idea is that the on the server side the images are sent in compressed form so that the, the amount of bandwidth needed to to transfer the the bits to your phone is reduced. 
So if the server would have done the decompression already, then uh, it would be a lot of bits to transfer to the phone. So it's always right. on the client side that the decoding needs to happen. Right. So the client always receives a uh, a compressed image, so an F- FLIF compressed image. Uh, and let's talk more about the the progressive decoding uh, use case, like the the case where a user d- doesn't have an optimal bandwidth situation. Um, you already mentioned this earlier, but I think it's really it's it's worth driving home. Can you talk a little bit more about progressive decoding? What mm-hmm. is progressive decoding, and how does the progressive decoding for FLIF differ from that of other image formats? Right. So the other image formats also have this feature, but it's not particularly widely used uh, in practice. So also JPEG has a progressive mode, PNG has an interlaced mode, which is the same thing basically. Uh, so the idea is that uh, the most important image uh, information is stored in the beginning of the file. So if you load just the beginning of the file, you already get uh, a rough, pre- a rough but quite good uh, preview of, of the image. And then the details are, are filled in later. Uh, when the rest of the file is is getting loaded. Um, So this is a strategy that was even already used in in GIF uh, because, of course, in in, in the early 90s when when GIF images were were very popular, uh, the the bandwidth situation was also... uh, not very good. So GIF also had this interlaced mode, which meant that you could get a, a preview of the of the entire image before it was completely loaded. Now the difference um, uh, technically between uh, the way FLIF does it and the other formats that do it is a bit uh, tricky to explain, but uh, I think the, the end result is that you get a decent looking image faster than with the other uh, with the other formats um, because the the interlacing interlacing mechanism is uh, is a bit more advanced um, also uh, in the other formats like PNG and, and GIF um, the, the problem is that if you want to be able to progressively decode the image you have to encode it in a special progressive mode, interlaced mode. Um, And the end result is that your files tend to get bigger than if you would just compress them in the normal mode, the non-progressive mode. Um, So PNG files, for instance, if you interlace them, they tend to be 20 or 25% bigger than... uh, than they would have been if you wouldn't have saved them in the, in the progressive mode. So you have to make this trade-off. Do, do I want to make them load quickly, get a quick preview, but in the end, the user has to download more bytes? Or uh, do I just encode them non-progressively so the, the total file size is uh, limited, but the disadvantage is that you cannot get uh, the, the early previews. So. Um, in, in this respect, I think uh, 
Well, FLIF also has this property that the progressive files tend to be bigger than the non-progressive files, but the difference is, is much, much less pronounced. It's uh, only a matter of a few percent. So um, the, the default encoding mode in FLIF is to be progressive for this reason, because uh, basically the overhead of, of making it progressive is, is, uh, is, is small enough to be, uh, well, you can ignore it in practice. Fliff relies on maniac compression. Mm -hmm. What is maniac compression? Uh, well, uh, well, maniac is is uh, is just a, a backronym we invented because it it, uh, it sounded nice. It, it it's uh, it's a meta adaptive uh, near zero integer arithmetic coding. So it's a it's a variant of of arithmetic coding which is, well, we call it meta-adaptive because uh, basically the, uh, the context model itself is adapting to the particular image you're encoding. And this is a more or less novel technique, I think. Yeah, um, and the, the FLIF documentation mentions this. It mentions that Maniac compression creates decision trees at encode time, mm -hmm. and that leads to an image-specific context model. Can you describe this process in more detail? Uh, yes. Well, so basically when encoding a file into FLIF, what is happening first is that it is getting uh, kind of mock encoded uh, so we're acting as if we're going to encode it, but we're not actually writing any bytes to the disk. Um, a couple of times, so by default, three times. Um, and while we're doing this uh, mock encoding, we're basically uh, learning properties about the image uh, by... So we're, we're growing trees, uh, decision trees, um, during this, this encoding. Um, and then when the real encoding starts, first we output the trees to the file, so the decoder can, can get these trees. And then uh, they are used during the real encoding. And these trees make sure that uh, the, the context model of the of the arithmetic coding is uh, well is adapted to the actual image, so that's that's uh, more or less the idea. Right, um, and so I, I think it's worth pointing out. Like, can can you can you apply maniac compression to all sorts of files? Like, would you want to use maniac compression in place of zip or tar? Um, well, uh, that would be an interesting generalization of the approach. Uh, so currently, these decision trees in, in their decision nodes, they, they test properties that are kind of specific to images. So it's properties of the kind, um, what is the difference between the value of uh, the pixel to my left uh, and the pixel above or something like this. Um, 
so these these properties are defined in terms of of, of images, but the approach in general is uh, is generic. These properties could be uh, could be other things as well. Um, so yes, I think it would be possible to uh, create a, a a maniac encoder for for other things like text files or something like that, or maybe audio or, or whatever. Um, but then you would have to define relevant properties for for these kinds of uh, of of media. Uh, so you could also make a, a, a very general uh, compression scheme, but then you would have to invent properties that are sufficiently uh, general to be to be useful on, on arbitrary data. Um, but the general idea of learning these decision trees is something that that probably would work well for, for other types of data as well. Very interesting. Um, have you done any speed benchmarks for how long it takes to compress and decompress files using Maniac? Uh, well, obviously when I'm doing the, the benchmarks, it's, it's uh, uh, as a side effect, I, I also get uh, some speed information. Now, this is a, a prototype implementation, so it's not very optimized. And um, this means that, well, if you look at the, the, the other image formats like uh, like PNG or JPEG, they are old, mature formats that are well implemented, uh, well optimized, and in many cases, they, they are kind of hardware accelerated or or they have uh, uh, very optimized implementations in, in assembler languages and so on. So uh, this prototype I currently have is, is not yet optimized uh, to, to that extent. Uh, so it, it will have a kind of speed uh, disadvantage uh, because of that. It also, of course, has a speed disadvantage because the compression techniques are in inherently uh, more complicated. So it will take uh, more CPU power to do the encoding and decoding. However, if you look at uh, well, the, the current prototype, um, it's in, in terms of compression speed, uh, it's worse than PNG, but not that much worse. And it's certainly much better than if you would uh, optimize PNGs uh, in, in a kind of brute force way, like with uh, something like PNG Crush or Opti PNG or uh, Sopflee PNG or tools like that, that try to create uh, the smallest possible PNG file. Well, those tools, they can take a long time on a single file. Uh, and FLIF will be much faster than those. So it's, uh, I don't think speed will really be the main issue because, um, well, CPU power is, is getting, well, CPUs are, are, are faster. They have plenty of cores um, to do these kind of tasks, even on a mobile phone. And the, the main uh, limiting factor is, is bandwidth, even even memory bandwidth. So um, yeah, I, I don't think that speed will be 
a very big issue, but of course there, there will be applications where uh, where you have limited CPU power and then some of the simpler formats will, will be more suitable. Did you discover Maniac Compression? Uh, or, or create it? Yes, yes. Okay, that's what I thought. How, how did you discover the algorithm? How did you think it up? Well, uh, yeah, well, it was not just me. It was in, in collaboration with uh, Peter, uh, Peter Werle, who is an uh, ex-colleague of mine at the uh, University of Leuven. And basically, it was a kind of uh, side project we did. Uh, we talked about it during coffee breaks, and we brainstormed. And I don't know exactly, I don't remember exactly how we came up with it. Um, because it, it's it's a project, uh, I think we started already in 2010, um, thinking about this. And only recently, uh, I've been putting some more time in it to... to create a very, uh, uh, well, to create a, a prototype that, that actually works, right? Um, but uh, the, the, the main ideas of the, of the Maniac trees, they date back a couple of years already. Uh, yeah. Interesting. So you've talked some about responsive imaging. I'd like to discuss this a little bit more um, what are the important differences between serving an image to a phone and serving an image to uh, like a web browser on a, on a laptop? So, so if you have a limited bandwidth and also a display device that is maybe has a very large resolution because phones nowadays have uh, have lots of pixels, but the, the image, the, the, the screen itself is going to be small. So, well, maybe the, the, the fine details don't really matter that much. Uh, maybe users will not be able to see uh, the, the fine detail anyway. So if you have this situation of low bandwidth and limited resolution or limited area uh, of, of, of screens, then it doesn't make sense to 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 load uh, a highly detailed large resolution image because it would make your your browsing experience uh, well not very satisfactory. It would be kind of kind of slow. So uh, what is typically done is uh, well low low quality versions of the image. Will be will be served to the user instead. Um, this can be on the server side. This can also be done sometimes uh, using a kind of proxy servers that on the fly uh, transcode the file to a, a lower quality version of it. Um, but uh, yeah, so so in in general, the idea is to to create lower quality versions of the file and send those to the user. Now with Fliff, instead of doing that, you could just send them the actual lossless image, but let the, the client side decide when to stop downloading it. So instead of uh, 
making different versions at the server side and trying to let the server decide which version of, of the image uh, should be sent to the user. I think it makes more sense to let the, the client side, to let the user side decide how much detail he wants to load. Um, so if you just have the single FLIF file and you, you start downloading it, um, well, if you would have, this is still something that needs to be implemented, of course, if you would have an intelligent browser that uh, can decide when to stop downloading, then uh, well, things would be uh, much better because then um, the the well, there's a lot of of uh, improvements uh, that that could be done um, that that would be implied by this. So uh, yeah. if there is only one image then all of the 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 the, the caching uh, services uh, would just have to cache one version of the image instead of all those different ones so uh, the, the the proxy servers would would have a, a much uh, easier job um, also if the user decides to download the full quality version of the image then they already have the first part of this so they just need to resume the download instead of starting to download a completely new version of the file so um, yeah also uh, it's the client who, who, who knows best uh, what kind of decisions to make maybe the user does have a lot of bandwidth but he's paying uh, per downloaded byte uh, or per downloaded kilobyte and um, well, in that case, the user might decide to only load uh, small fragments of the file, the small prefixes of the file, uh, instead of loading all of the detail just to save some money. Yeah. So um, another processor intensive image application that I think of is mapping like an application like Google Earth or Google Street View it seems like it would have a lot of issues in developing countries would would FLIF help with this type of application um well to the extent that that actual images are used it it could help but um i guess when you're making maps you probably want to use a kind of vector representation of the map instead of using uh, uh, pixel images. Uh, so FLIV is just for, for pixel images, it wouldn't help there. And if you would have uh, these street view pictures, then probably you want to do some kind of lossy compression. So FLIV wouldn't really help there either. Um, mm. But well, in, in scenarios where you have pictures that where, where lossless compression would be beneficial, then then Fliff could help a lot because yes, this this uh, progressive loading um, would would uh, would help a lot in in low bandwidth uh, situations. So well, maybe if Google decides to to make their Street View 
with very high quality pictures instead of lossy JPEGs, then uh, FLIF would be a good format for that, yes. But I, I think they would rather use WebP, probably. What is WebP? WebP is, is Google's uh, newest image format. So it, it both has a lossy and a lossless mode. Um, and it's quite good. It, it uh, compresses, uh, well, in the lossless mode, it's, it's probably the main competitor for FLIF. It, uh, it compresses almost as good as FLIF. Why don't I see like images that have the WebP file extension on the internet? Um, that's a good question. Probably mostly because of inertia. And because of, uh, well, people are still using very old technology because there's this kind of common denominator effect. If you want a website, you want to make sure that everybody can, can view it. So if you're going to use the newest technology, there's uh, always a segment of, 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 uh, of viewers that will not be able to, to, to view the website well. Now, this, I must say, is mostly a problem of the past though, because you can more or less assume that browsers are going to be able to, to, uh, to understand JavaScript. And once they understand JavaScript, you can basically uh, circumvent uh, the problem of uh, outdated browsers by doing the, the decoding. If the browser doesn't support it natively, by doing the decoding in JavaScript. And in fact, there is already a JavaScript decoder for Fliff. So essentially people could already start using it on their websites and it would work on any browser that does have JavaScript. Now, the only disadvantage of JavaScript is that it, well, it is, it has improved a lot. It is more efficient than it was before, but it's still not as efficient as, uh, as native support. And it probably never will be because it has to be sandboxed and so on. Um, so, uh, yeah. Can you give a little more color on the differences between WebP and Fliff? Um, so, well... Or is WebP open source? Or? Yes, WebP is also open source. Uh, well, it, it has this... Uh, this Google, uh, I, I don't know exactly which license or which uh, uh, which patent uh, situation, but uh, it is open source. Um, yeah, WebP basically, um, uh, I, I don't know exactly what uh, what techniques WebP uses, but it's based on the same uh, uh, general compression ID as PNG, which is the same uh, as in, in uh, ZIP, uh, which is uh, uh, LZ compression. So um, for some kinds of uh, repetitive patterns, uh, this works very well. Uh, so you can construct some images uh, which will be smaller in WebP or PNG than they will be in FLIF. Uh, but in, in general, 
arithmetic coding is uh, a superior um, compression technique compared to uh, to uh, LZ compression. Uh, it's computationally more expensive also, but uh, yeah. Another file format that I hear a lot about lately is the SVG file format. Could you talk about what what an SVG is and and how why why hasn't that been mentioned in the conversation? Why is an SVG not qualify as an image format? Oh, yeah. So uh, SVG is a is a vector format. So it doesn't represent pixels; it represents uh, uh, vectors. Uh, so. Um, Basically, the image doesn't have a fixed resolution, but uh, it, it can be rendered at at any resolution you want. So it's it's scalable vector graphics is uh, is what the acronym says because of this. Um, okay. So uh, SVG has uh, has of course a lot of advantages uh, because of the scalability, because it's also typically very compact because you're not representing each pixel, you're only representing the actual uh, vector information. But the main disadvantage is that, uh, well, it works if you are making these drawings yourself and you can record the actual uh, vector uh, that, that is being drawn. But if you start from an image, uh, for instance, that you take with a camera, then turning that into an SVG is not going to be easy. So of course there exists software that tries to, to construct vectors from the pixels, but this is, uh, uh, well, in general, this is not really possible. So it only applies for a specific type of, of, of line art kind of, uh, uh, or clip art kind of images, uh, but it's not, really suitable as a generic uh, image format. So let's begin to close off. What is on the roadmap for Fliff? Um, so I think uh, the, the first things we, we want to do now is to uh, finalize the, the decode stream so that the format becomes uh, uh, stable and reliable and people can start to encode files as FLIF and be sure that in the future uh, it will be possible to, to actually decode them uh, because at the moment it's still an experimental file format which means that well as we are changing the implementation as we are changing the definition of the format uh, it, it, uh, it, it means that when you encode a file with the current experimental version then maybe it will not decode correctly with the one uh, we have next week. So uh, uh, finalizing the, the definition of the, of the format, the specification of the format is, uh, is probably the highest priority right now. Um, and once we have that, we can uh, start looking at uh, ways to optimize the implementation and uh, we will probably release it as a as a library so that other projects can can start using it and browsers can start supporting it natively great well um that makes a lot of sense um 
John Snyers, thanks for coming on to Software Engineering Daily and talking about Fliff. It's been really interesting. Thank you. It was my pleasure.